time for Rod and Reel Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes, chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. And Mark Larson, thank you. And friends, welcome to Rod Real Radio throughout Southern California. Hey, we've got a fast-paced show for you tonight. A lot of great guests lined up. Before I get to the guest list show, uh, guest list for the show, let me introduce you to the co-host of Rod Real Radio. She is the sales manager for Iserline and a pretty darn good outdoor fishing and hunting enthusiast herself, Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, today I've been real busy getting all my gear ready for my five-day trip on the Independence the day after 4th of July. Wow. That is going to be neat. Hey, Wendy, let me just tell our uh, listeners uh, what we have lined up uh, Coming on up, first thing is going to be Gary Graham. He was awarded a special award that we're going to want to talk to him and congratulate him on. He'll be right on after these announcements. And then coming up at 6 o'clock, we have the fishing weatherman and meteorologist Chris Dunn. He's going to be with us also. And then coming on up at uh, around 640 or so, we'll be the head of the Southern Cal- of the San Diego Sports Fishing Council, Catherine Miller, and she's going to tell us about the 13th annual Kids Fishing Derby at Shelter Island Pier. But before we get on to all of that, calling us live from the East Cape is our good friend and outdoor writer, Gary Graham. Gary, how you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. I bet I'm a lot warmer than you are. How you doing, Wendy? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great, Gary, and congratulations on all of your awards. Well, Gary, well, we did... Thank you very much. It would... Go on. Go ahead. Uh, What we wanted to do is, obviously, you call us up, you have all kinds of great reports about, you know, fishing in uh, Baja and and road conditions and whatever it is we need to know. But you just recently, on June the 15th, received some accolades from your industry that I know are very valuable to you. And, And please tell us what happened on June 15th, Gary. Well, I was up at, I flew back from Baja to be at uh, Big Bear for the annual or for their semi-annual comp, writers conference uh, with Outdoor Writers of California, and that happens to be when they make their awards for 2014. And unbeknownst to me, I was one of, going to be one of the recipients, and 
basically they awarded me the best outdoor series, which was Viscaino full of surprises, which was about the west coast of uh, Baja below Turtle Bay all the way down to Estero Coyote. And then uh, they also awarded me best outdoor news article, which was a four four piece article about California called California Dreaming, which was about Jim Jinks of Ocean Pacific building a boat that he built in Washington and ultimately in the first three years traveled 45,000 miles in the, uh, throughout the South Sea down to Clipperton, then back up to San Diego, and then out to Clipperton and so on. And then I also received an award for Bisbee Black, the best uh, internet, outdoor internet article, and that was for Bisbee Black and Blue, The Unexpected Miracle. That was when Casa Hogar, uh, the team from Casa Hogar, happened to win the Bisbee Black and Blue, which was certainly not expected. And last was uh, the best outdoor newspaper column for my road trucker column in Western Outdoor News. It's a consisted of, you have to enter three different columns, and I had entered the Hero's Gift, which was about John Masson, who um, was invited out to fish in the Stars and Stripes tournament last year. Actually, I just finished that yesterday, and I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, the other one was uh, doing the drone. That was me learning how to fly a drone, and uh, Los Cabos renewed community spirit after Odeal, and Western Outdoor News uh, raised a, a, quite a bit of money, $50,000, for uh, rebuilding captains' homes uh, that had been damaged in the hurricane. So because of all that, then I was voted uh, Writer of the Year. So it was a pretty special night, needless to say. God, I, Gary, that is just an incredible body of work. And, and the thing is, is that that's just the tip of the iceberg on all the great articles that you write for all those particular sp- special uh, uh, interests that that you mentioned, and and just congratulations on that. What what a tremendous achievement! Well, thank you so much. I was uh, very humbled to receive it, certainly from my peers. And I have to thank Gene Kira because he was the guy that, when I was fifty-five years old, said, "You can write," and I said, "No, I can't." I write reports, and he said, "You write the first one, and I'll edit it for you." And that got me started. And when was that, uh, Gary? 1950, uh, 1995. Wow! You know, I I just remember, you know, I first met you as a guide for Baja on the Fly down there, and we were peddling some gamakatsu hooks to you, and I just can't believe how you've evolved into the not only the writer, but the tremendous source of information for uh, Baja California and a great representative between the people of uh, uh, the United States and Southern California and the the people of Baja. It's just been a great experience just reading everything that you write about. And every time I read you, it's like I'm there or I'm wishing I'm there. <laughs> well, I, I somewhere I read the other day, and I've been quoting it a lot since then, and that is that the ideal job is one that you never want to take a vacation from, and I think I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary, tell us now. You know, we got you down to the East Cape, uh, and you mentioned a couple of things you were doing down there. What's happening down there that that takes you uh, to the East Cape? 
Well, right now I'm at John Ireland's uh, Rancho Leonero. Actually, he just walked by and said hello. Uh, right. Yes, for the last three days I've been at uh, Stars and Stripes Tournament, which is a huge uh, charity tournament for Big Brothers and Big Sisters, as well as a number of other uh, charities. They had 44 boat turn or 43 boat tournament caught. They released 161 billfish in two days and caught 25 marlin, the largest of which, or excuse me, 25 tuna, the largest of which was uh, 185 pounds. So there's a few big ones around. And I'm on my way in two days up to Loretto to join the Hobie fishing team that we're going to fish for six days in Loretto along with Doug Olander from Sport Fishing Magazine. I'm out of breath. <laughs> you know, Gary, you're you're ubiquitous almost everywhere. I mean, this morning I turned on the uh, television and I watched uh, uh, a segment of uh, uh, Inside Sports Fishing with Michael Folks, and he's fishing off the Southern California coast on a on a kelp paddy, and there's Gary Graham hauling in a marlin. I mean, you're uh, you're getting to be uh, not only a great rider, but you're also almost omnipresent on so many television shows. <laughs> yeah, actually, I just finished doing the Bill. Uh, we did two segments of Bill Boyce uh, Destination Baja Sur, which will air next, uh, starts next January. We were up at Lopez Mateos Fish Today in uh, Asteros up there and then fished here at uh, Rancho Leonero on John's newest boat at El Jefe, a 31-foot lures. And we had a triple on rooster fish. Never had that happen before, but all of them were over 30 pounds. Wow. Hey, you know, uh, we have a guest that's going to be on later that asked us to say hello to you, the the fishing weather man himself, Chris Dunn. And and one of the things uh, we wanted to know about was, you know, we're going to be talking about the effects of the El Nino, and I, I know you're not a prognosticator you're with a crystal ball, but what's the f- fishing conditions along the East Coast, the San Jose del Cabo, and, and going up onto the East Cape? Is the water getting warmer? Is the fishing getting better? Uh, what kind of feel do you have for what's happening there? Well, the fishing's uh, the blue, mar- the billfish, uh, and the tuna have been good. The tuna are probably not as good this week just simply because some saners showed up. But uh, the rooster fish have been good on the inside. Actually, a little bit, oddly enough, we were fishing down at Rincon, and they're, instead of being right on the beach, they're about a mile, mile and a half off, which is kind of unusual. Usually they're tighter to the beach. But overall, the fishing, in fact, I just wrote a report of all of uh, Baja for Baja Bites on Friday, and the title of it was, It's All Good. Well, it seems to be all good over here. So, you, you know, I know we have in several El Nino years worried about that water really heating on up, but they don't seem to be suffering any adversely from, uh, uh, you know, what we perceived uh, as the oncoming El Nino. Not thus far, but that could change. But right now, uh, I, I would say that the one missing uh, – player in this whole thing, though, is the Dorado. We're not seeing any Dorado of any, except the really small ones, but no big Dorado at all. Now, whether that's from overfishing uh, commercially or whether that's from uh, El Nino would be, I'd leave that to somebody that has got a higher pay grade than I have. But that, uh, but basically, that is one fish that very consistently all around, all up into the Sea of Cortez, all the way up to Bay of L.A., and on this and all the way down to the tip, there are just not very many Dorado around. That's very strange. 
it, this time of year, it's very strange. Very I mean, strange. normally, and there's a lot of schooly, a lot of schooly fish, but they're all three, four pounds. Nothing. The fly guys are loving them because I read somebody here, I think, had 29, caught 29, caught and released 29 of them the other day. So it's pretty good fishing, but they're not very big. Now, Gary, but if you I, only caught trout, they seem big. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I just saw too that you came back from La Paz. You did a little fishing in La Paz. How did you find the fishing in La Paz? Uh, it was a, a little bit on the slow side, uh, but, but the wahoo bites have been extraordinary. This is the, probably the best. I was talking to Jonathan about the other day, and this is probably the best wahoo bite he's seen in 20 years, and it's not small fish. There's some very big fish. We saw, I saw one that was right at 100 pounds the other day, so there's some really wow. big fish. There's some small ones mixed in, but... Uh, I, by everybody's uh, agreement, uh, there's been a, a wahoo bite like we've never seen before. Not not in a long time. Not in my lifetime, anyway. Not now, in a long time, by the way. You were referring to Jonathan. That's Jonathan. You want to Rodan. Rodan. Yeah, yes. Jonathan Rodan at Tail, tail Hunter um, fishing up in uh, La Paz. He For fishes sure. both out of uh, Las Arenas and out of uh, La Paz. Now, how about access to uh, uh, La Paz and Loretto? Uh, are the schedules of the airlines, now that the summer's here, are they improving? Are they about the same? Or do you, or do you have to really uh, be particular on when you want to travel uh, to either one of those destinations? I'm probably not the best guy. to. I, I fly mostly into Cabo, but I understand. In fact, I was with the uh, one of the reps from Alaska, and I understand that they had, have had a prop uh, prop plane that was going into Loretto, and they've just upgraded. They're upgrading that next week to a, a regular jet. So they obviously are ha- increasing the service there. In in La Paz, I'm not. I, I shouldn't answer that question because I really don't know the answer. But um, as far as flights here into Cabo, that's not a problem at all. I I flew Spirit for the last couple times. Alaska's coming in, and I uh, uh, really haven't had any problem as far as getting flights in and out of here. Now, when you say you fly Spirit, where do you pick up Spirit from? Uh, out of San Diego. Okay, so Spirit is flying out of San Diego and uh, not necessarily going up through L.A. yet or anything like that? Not, I, I don't, again, I don't know, but I, I know I, I catch, I flew them, uh, fly them here. It's not the same schedule as Alaska has, the same time of day, like 1045 in the morning or something in that neighborhood, and it arrives down here about 115 local, uh, 145 local time. Well, Gary, I know that if you are staying with John Ireland there at Rancho Leonero, we're probably getting you right in between uh, uh, cocktail time and dinner time. And I, I just want to really thank you for taking the time to give us a call. But more so th- for all of us here in Southern California that read your articles, whether they be on Bloody Decks or whether they be on your blog or whether they be with Western Art or News, Thank you for always supplying us with some of the best information. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and thanks for having me on the show. All right. Gary Graham, thanks a lot for being with us. He is the 2015 Outdoor Writers Association Writer of the Year for California. Wendy, pretty pretty good trick. All those things that he writes uh, and he's recognized for with all the people that are out there writing, 
a pretty good deal, if I say so myself. It sure was, and what was really neat is that the um, the conference in Big Bear where he received his award, his wife Yvonne was um, put the whole thing together, put the whole event together, and I think that was her last event. So for him to receive his award on her last event, that would be that was probably pretty special. You better believe it. Hey, Wendy, we're going to take a break right now. Coming up next. Phil Friedman with what the heck Phil is thinking of. And later on, Captain James Nelson will top off the first hour with a Southern California inshore report. But stay tuned. More Rod Real Radio to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This segment of Rod Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. 
Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to BalloonFisherKing.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. I'm your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Wendy Toshahar is also with us tonight. Stan is still down in Cabo San Lucas vacationing, that lucky devil. Hopefully we'll be hearing from him next week. And now it's time for What the Heck is Phil Thinking? And here's the voice himself, Phil Friedman. Phil, how you doing on this summer weekend? Doing great, John and Wendy and everybody out there. It is a beautiful afternoon. And uh, not that Rod and Reel Radio ever gets in my way because I'm going to take it with me. Man, <laughs> I am really itching to get back to the surf. I've got to tell you about that surf fishing experience we had yesterday evening. That's one of the topics I have for you tonight, John. All right. That sounds good. Hey, by the way, to our uh, 6 o'clock uh, guest, uh, the weatherman himself, Chris Dunn, says to say hello to you. He wishes he could speak with you, but you guys will have to get together later, later on because I know you have some history with Chris, too. Oh, I do. And I'll tell you, Chris, the thing I love about Chris, I mean, he's a professional, so he's not messing with the weather in any way when you want to know what the weather is going to be and you're not you don't care about whether there's a trip running tonight and you want to cushion it or or slant the news or anything else chris just gives it to you straight up and it comes from his unique perspective as a fisherman so you combine that professional uh, and his background as a meteorologist and then you throw in the fact that he's a fisherman and i just love the guy and he does really a great service to everybody I love his reports, too, but uh, you know what? I look forward to your reports every week, and, man, it is a veritable buffet out there. I mean, it's like you look at it, you go, what am I going to report on first? I know. That that really is amazing, and that's why, you know, probably the surf fishing thing, you know, it's not that big a deal to a lot of people, but, John, I do have to tell you, Eddie Leland's a guy who's been working on boats since the 70s, like me. He was over on the city of Redondo back in 1972 or so, and I was over on the Redondo Special, and then we both went our different directions. But Eddie, of course, ended up running the Enterprise for a couple of decades, I believe, and he's been all over. So he was with us last night, and Bob Osborne, myself, Joaquin Espinosa from Aventuras a la de Libre, a guy named John Sachs, and we went down, and we threw, you know, I started throwing right away on our way down to a jetty that I like to fish, and I caught a nice yellowfin croaker, and that was cool. We were into that, and then Joaquin would get one and then another one. And then we finally all ended up down there at that jetty. And we all started in different directions, kind of like sport boats going off in different directions and trying to be the king of the day. But we all ended up down there. And, John, seriously, you could not wind on a jig more than about two times without another hookup on these nice big yellowfin croaker. Osborne was taking them on the Lucky Craft. I, of course, same old thing with the chrome crocodile. Joaquin was going from a swim bait to a crocodile. And, man, was that the best action I've ever seen. But that really doesn't say what made it such a great evening. What made it such a great evening was there was so much bait shoved up on the beach. It was anchovy. And if we didn't see a halibut 
boil and jump clean out of the water 20 times. We didn't see it once. It was like you could count on it. It was becoming really crazy. And some of these halibut were nice fish. Then most of them were shorts, but there were some legal fish coming out of the water. And you'd see the bait come to the surface, start to scurry around, and you knew something was going to be behind it. And more times than not, it was a big halibut just flying out of the water. We were all, you know, yelling. Eddie was going, did you see that one? And we were, we were really going crazy. Then you'd see a nice school of yellowfin croaker go by. There was giant corvina swimming all around us. I mean, you talk about a kid in a candy store and having so much fun. And the high tide is at 8 this evening, so Joaquin's already down there. He stayed the night. He had so much fun with that, and we really did have a great time. And, and while those halibut, when they started coming out of the water, Joaquin switched to a swim bait, and on about his 12th cast, he hung a fish that he was having a hard time with. So I grabbed my video camera and started to tape, and he was on this fish, and that might have been the, uh, the curse that uh, had that fish, the hook pulled on what we presume might have been one of those nice big halibut that were coming out of the water. But, I mean, just starting right there, John, you walk out the front door on a beach near you, and it's really incredible right now. You know, and we don't like to discount surf fishing because I know here at Angler's Arsenal, there are three to four people a day come in getting baits, asking questions, asking the where to, type of uh, gear to use, you know, do I need one of those poles where I've got to throw it a halfway out to Catalina Island? What do you mean all I have to do is fish the white water and baits to use and everything like that? And it's a tremendous opportunity for everyone to go out there and fish. You know, we all don't have an, uh, an opportunity to go out on an overnight boat or to go out on a three-quarter day boat and, and sometimes not even to do the pier fishing, but surf fishing is something that is available for all of us, and it's a great place to bring the family. You can bring your significant other and the kids and plop them on down on the beach, and they can play around, and, boy, there is no better family activity. No, I agree. And, you know, here we are. We've got just a few hours of daylight left, and I've been kind of busy doing some things today, but I'm still going to get my fishing picks in today, and I, I... Osborne's going by right now with a couple of rods <laughs> laughing at me because I'm on the radio. But these guys are all beating me down there, but you can still get your fix. And, hey, I've got to get into a couple of other things. I know you guys are handling that San Diego bike. Great score on the new Loan yesterday with 50 bluefin. That looks like it's we're sitting on a powder keg. And, man, how about that score on the San Diego? Three-quarter day for 250-plus nice yellows. That's going back to the good old days, man. These are the good old days. There's just no doubt about it. Out at San Clemente Island, John, there's been some pretty darn good fishing, although the fish are smaller. The yellows are smaller, but, oh, for example, today the Freedom had 76 yellows out that way. The Thunderbird over there today, he had a good shot on those fish also. And once again, uh, Calico Bass fishing at times has been really good also. Thunderbird today over at Cat or at San Clemente with 42 yellowtail, 150 Calico Bass. Yesterday, 200 Calico Bass on the Native Sun at Catalina Island from 22nd Street Landing. Several boats starting to pick at White Sea Bass as we near that full moon. Not a big surprise to a lot of us who know about that correlation between that White Sea Bass bite and the full moon. The Ultra had four nice sea bass, three halibut, 40 yellows at Cat today. The Pursuit was up there around 40 yellowtail. Really, really good fishing. But the majority of the fish at Cat and Clemente are that 5 to 10 pound grade. The local yellows out in front of us here, also another 10 miles out by the oil rigs, 150, the 105. That area have been biting best on sardine. 
slower over the weekend, predictable because of boat pressure, but that boat pressure is going to come off, obviously, tomorrow, and we'll see if it's going to come roaring back. It's been sputtering a little bit, but it's still awfully nice to get out and catch 15 to 25-pound local yellows, half-day boats with 20, 30, 40 during the weekdays. We'll see if that's going to come back or not, but that has really been significant also. And then you've got good rock fishing in Redondo, Marina del Rey, and up there in the Channel Islands out of Cisco, superior rock fishing, but more barracuda starting to move in there, John. Some more white sea bass, and I'm still thinking around the 1st of July. We're getting close, but I think they have a big explosion on WSB up there and more and more yellowtails. So as you say, John, you know, there are times of the year for guys like you and I who are kind of in the media and we're looking for stories where you're like, geez, you know, am I going to talk about blue perch again this week? You know, there's nothing going on. And then there's times where you simply have way too many topics and you don't know where to start. And this is certainly starting to become that time of the year. You know, Phil, we're looking at numbers right now that if we were to try and make up numbers, we'd actually be underestimating some of the fish catches that these fish have. These boats are getting out here right now. As you mentioned, 251 yellowtail just on a a three-quarter day boat. I mean, that is a sign of phenomenal fishing. And then, as you mentioned, too, not to discount it, the half-day boats. Half-day boats are getting their kicks in, too. They're running into yellowtail. And down here, the sand bass fishing has been off the hook. So it's really looking good, Phil. It is, John, and you're so right about like that that count on the San Diego and Ryan Boston. He runs such a great operation. The service on there is first class as, as most of the San Diego boats. I mean, you find that you can go out there as a novice angler on that trip and come home with darn near a limited yellowtail, and that says a lot about the crews down there in San Diego and so much more. But the bite itself, man, I mean, two fifty on the yellowtail are, are scores that people are not going to see. On a regular basis, you know, you and I both know that, John. But this is when they are biting full speed. They are biting the surface iron, the yo-yo iron, the bait. It's a fun time to get out there, and you really should take advantage of it. If you have the means to do it, you should take advantage and get out. And if you don't have the means to do it, as John said earlier, you know, very economical way to enjoy the great sport of fishing is to walk out on a beach and have some fun. And whether they're biting or not, you're going to be with your family and your loved ones and have a really, really great time. There's just nothing like it. And, Wendy, you're uh, looking forward to going on a trip right now. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing and what the anticipation is when it comes to what to catch. Well, you know, this is a wonderful year. The water's warm already. I'm hoping to catch my first wahoo. But, uh, yes, um, I, I hope we catch some nice tuna also, whether it's yellowfin, bluefin, uh, big eye, um, whatever. And then you have the, the yellowtail. And uh, who knows, maybe the Dorado will show up in full force over here while we're out. But I'm leaving the day after 4th of July, and I come back on the 10th, and I'll be on the Turner's Iser Line trip on the Independence with Lori Byron Sackow. Yeah. So that should be fun. Oh, man. Uh, even if you Thelma don't catch right again. <laughs> <laughs> even if you don't catch fish, going out with you and Lori is always a good time. So it sounds like it's going to be a great trip. And, and Phil, we have to remind our uh, listeners that are fishing out of San Diego right now, the boats, even though they don't necessarily have to, they are going down into Mexican waters. So you've got to make sure that if you're going out on even the three-quarter day boats out here, 
that you have either your passport card or your passport with you because that's a necessity. You don't have those two items, you don't get there get to go down and fish. That, that's right, and I know you have a lot of private boaters listening to your show, so it's a good service to remind them about that, as well as the non-taking of bluefin tuna and Mexican waters that's still in place. So those are a couple of really good things to keep in mind. And as long if you do get boarded or stopped by the Mexican officials, as long as you're respectful and courteous, you have your documents all in order, you don't have any fish that you're not supposed to have in your catch, everything should go very, very smoothly. Yeah. And, and you know what else, too? I've got another pointer for our listeners. You know, uh, one of my buddies just went out on a trip, um, and he was expecting to have those big horse sardines. Um, they ended up having two eyes and a wiggle of anchovies and three-inch sardines. So make sure you bring tackle for the gamut because you never know what bait you're going to have and what size fish you're going you're gonna to catch. So make sure you bring a little bit of everything. Great point, Wendy, and uh, we've been doing that here in the shop, and we don't want people to think that we're trying to oversell them. But you, if you go on out there, you've got to be uh, uh, ready for all possibilities. Prepared. And that's with uh, either small light wire hooks or the big, uh, the bigger two-aught and three-aught uh, hooks just in case you, uh, you wind up with, uh, as you said, those big sardines. Because the last thing you want to do is, being, is trying to drown a pinhead with a two-aught hook. It, it just isn't <laughs> going to work. That's right, yeah, so be prepared. I mean, you know, bring number fours if you can all the way up to who knows. I mean, you you might end up with a big piece of bait. You might even, you know, need a 7-0 hook or a 9-0 hook. And, you know, Phil, we were talking about that surf fishing. And just briefly remind us, what, what kind of outfit are you guys fishing with? Because I kind of made fun of, uh, you know, 12-inch surf poles with uh, ADOT reels on it and, uh four or five ounces of weight uh, that someone's trying to reach halfway out to uh, Catalina Island on. Uh, what have you guys been having success on? You know, John, I like a longer rod. Bob fishes a 10-foot. I fish a 9, but a good rod, and I'll leave that up to everybody. If you're going to spend a lot of money on a surf fishing rod, I'm good with that. I, I'm all for that. Your reel, sometimes uh, you may want to go, like, in the middle ground because those reels are going to fall in the sand, and they're going to get ruined after a certain amount of time. So, you can go kind of moderate on the reel. But as, as you say, uh, you can fish a variety of baits for sure. If we would have had some ghost shrimp last night and some six-pound tests, we would have been catching Corvina. I like just staying with my chrome crocodile because it's easy. I'm rigged up. I can walk out the front door at any point in time. There were guys fishing heavier tackle today and catching great big shovel-nosed sharks down in the surf and releasing those and having a real ball with those or bat rays you can catch down there. But... The longer rod, it gives me a really, really good cast, and I'm fishing about 15-pound test because I'm throwing the jig, and, and there are times when we hook some really big fish. I was on a 100-pound bat ray for over two hours not all that long ago one time, so uh, I like to bring something that's a little heavier. But when you're fishing bait and you're fishing, of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, wily creatures like Hi. the... Well, what the, the heck is... When you're fishing those type of corvina and those fish that are... Very, very discriminating features. That feeders. That's when you definitely want to go with something like the light stuff. Even like the, you know, tr- kind of like a, something that looks like a trout rod, where it's really, really good down in the surf. Man, that sounds like way too much fun, Phil. 
Hey, Phil, you know, there's a lot more we could be talking about, but it's time to cash in the checks for your segment. If we want to find out more about what's happening with Phil Friedman Outdoors, the uh, broadcast that you have, or, or just, uh, you know, get the local on what's happening on the soundbite, how's the best way to do it? John, thanks so much. Yeah, we do the soundbite every day where we run down the latest in fishing, and we also do that in Spanish with La Mordida. But you can find that by going to PFO on Facebook or going to PFOmedia.com. For our Spanish-speaking friends, you can go to Aventuras al Aire Libre on Facebook, or you can go to www.aventurasalairelibre.com for the very, very latest. And, John, you know where I'm heading, man. I'm, I'm heading right out the door. If I catch anything big... I'll put it up on PFO on Facebook in just a few minutes. I know. I mean, you're going to be out there so fast that you're probably past Bob Osborne <laughs> making his way on out there. Hey, Phil, uh, are you going to be with us uh, over the 4th of July weekend because uh, we plan a live show, or are you going to be taking a break? Oh, I'm, I wouldn't miss Rod and Real Radio for anything. I'll be right there with you, John. All right, Phil, good fishing. Phil Friedman with What the Heck is Phil Thinking? Hey, Wendy and I are going to have to take a break right now. Coming up next, Captain James Nelson with a California Inshore Report. Stay tuned. More Rod and Reel Radio to come. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Winnie Toshahar is here with me tonight. I'm your host, Top Along John Cassidy, and it's now time for the Southern California Inshore Report with a fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson. Captain Jim, how's the week going for you, sir? John? Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's been going great. How about you? 
man, you know what? I've been trapped here in the store, and I shouldn't say trapped because we have been deluged this week, and I want to thank everyone that has stopped by to come and see us. And I understand you've been kind of busy this week, this past week, too. Been busy, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Hey, tell us, what what good things are biting right now, Jim? Well, I guess you've heard all about all the other stuff offshore, but you know what? Right in coastal and our kelp, we've still got a lot of lingcod and rockfish happening. Um, inside the bay, the bonefish, the leopard sharks, and just about every other creature in between is happening. And then uh, on the lakes, you know, I've been actually just wrapped up probably my last lake trip for a while because it looks like everybody wants to start doing offshore stuff and you know i don't blame them it's not that far of a ride to go out and get some yellowtail and it looks like even some of those tuners are coming in so that ought to be fun well i've been seeing some reports uh captain james that inside of the nine they've been catching some great fish and it isn't necessarily off of a kelp patty or anything like that you see some birds working you see some uh, fish puddling, and the next thing you know, it's on, and they seem to be starting to bite a little bit better than they have in the past few weeks. Well, yeah, you know, I think this uh, weather the last couple of days isn't going to help the boaters at all. It, it certainly didn't help us. I mean, we were we were hoping to get out and get on some, but when you're on a skiff with four guys, it's it was a uh, little lumpy and hard to see that top water action we could see fish on the graph we had a couple bites um just blind bites but yeah you know from what i hear the guys that are getting out on some smooth water when those fish come up and the birds start dropping like you said you don't need to find a patty they're just out in open water they're moving about you know 80 miles an hour so you just got to keep up with them and guys that are doing that are scoring pretty well and uh, when we were doing that Last week, we, that's where how we were getting yellowtail, too. Uh, yellowtail were actually with the dolphins, which is something different. Wow. Uh, you know, I saw the reports the past couple of days, Jim, that the weather came up a little bit, the wind came up, and even some of the, the most prolific of the uh, outside guys decided, hey, we're going to stay actually inside, we're going to go over to Mission Bay, because the fishing in Mission Bay is great, and we're still fishing, and it... And, and it's great fishing. And tell us a little bit about Mission Bay because we're. it seems like we're talking all the time about San Diego Bay. And Mission Bay seems to be the red-haired, freckled-faced kid of the group when actually it's one heck of a fishery. Well, coming from a red-haired, freckled-faced kid, um, <laughs> myself, you know, <laughs> you think that would fit right in, in, but I don't get a lot of folks fishing Mission Bay, John. So... My my experience and my own personal experience and what we've been seeing lately, you know, it's almost like the same as what we're doing fishing offshore. Just get out there and find the birds working, and you'll be you'll be getting going on them. Well, you know, we we know that uh, Mission Bay is noted for its spotted bay bass and then also its halibut. And I've got to tell you, most any time we run a spotted bay tournament out of San Diego Bay where they would launch out of the Shelter Island launch ramp, and you make it a no-limits tournament that they can fish wherever they want, a good number of the boats will leave San Diego Bay and go over to Mission Bay because that's where they believe the lot of, the larger spotties live. You know, it's no doubt that there are the bigger ones. Um, there's yeah. not as many. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, you say, not as many. So you you think that if you're going after spotted bay bass, which we know a lot of the guys are avid spotted bay bass fishermen, that if you're going after the the quantity, San Diego Bay is still the place to go. Definitely, and definitely right now because they're a little more predictable in their spawning areas, and you get over spawning aggregation, and right now you could drop baits on top of them over and over and over. At least I, I can because it's easier for me because even in heavy winds, I've got that trolling motor that holds us still. I've got that Minn Kota with the iPilot. Yes. We hit that thing, and, and we just sit on top of them, and you'll see. I mean, you'll look on that on the graph i've got the little simrad now but even on the lawrence or it whatever i mean you just see this mound of fish and you start dropping down on it and just yo-yo and use those little uh spro bucktails spoons you know favorite soft plastic if you like but quite frankly john we've had this conversation they wear out but uh <laughs> you know you get on them and just start jigging up and down and and you'll just whack them and then you'll see that that aggregation start to move a little bit just move with it and then you know, if you've got an iPod, hit the anchor and sit on top of them, do it again. And uh, you really can't do that in Mission Bay. Mission Bay is a little different. You're, you're really looking uh, some of the deeper water lines, the cuts that you can get out on, and you might be able to get them, you know, where they're spawning up in an aggregation like that. But it, they do it a little bit differently in Mission Bay. And most of your feeding fish, you're going to see... Like I said, you're going to see evidence of it. You'll see birds dropping. There's so much bait in that bay right now between those red crabs and the, and the little pinhead anchovies and the baby mullet and the top snuff. There's just so much for those fish to eat. You'll know when they're feeding because you'll see evidence of it from the birds. And I think per uh, actual acreage or square inch of water, I think Mission Bay's got more birds or active feeding turns and and bait fish type birds than San Diego Bay does, at least most areas where it. You know, Jim, uh, we were talking with Phil Friedman, and he was talking about the half-day boats uh, up there out of uh, L.A. and Long Beach that uh, not only were they were catching yellowtail, but there was also good bottom fishing, sand bass fishing. And, you know, I recall normally we can go to Imperial Beach and the hard bottom there, you know, the late uh, winter, early spring, and we find good fishing, in, and it kind of slacks off a little bit as we get, uh, you know, into the late spring, early summer. But it doesn't seem like it's been the case. It, it You know, that that bite did wane for a little bit, but it, it seems like it's coming back again. Is, is that a misconception on my part, or does that seem to be what's happening? It seems like that's what's happening, and you know what's also is happening really well right now is the sand bass. Um, it's just going nuts. Again, it's the same type of thing. It's that spawn thing that that uh, we were expecting to see, like, sit back in April, and we really didn't see it much, which is weird because the water started warming up early, so you would have thought that we would have seen it at its usual schedule, but you, and Jim, so <laughs> it's, it's happening now, and people are ignoring them. People are doing other things. They're out chasing hardtails. Sure. You know, but, you know, you know there's a whole group of uh, – fishermen that can't necessarily get out there that far but they are going to go out there and they're going to get those uh, sand bass and halibut where they can and if you were to go after sand bass what right now what would be your recommended baits um again i'm, I'm going to go with the hard baits the mega baits are working really good or any other type of spoon that you like anywhere from three to four ounce um i wouldn't go any heavier than four and i wouldn't go lighter than three 
but uh, just get it down there. They're right now anywhere between 75 and 85, 95 even feet. Wow. And again, it's the same thing. Just get over the aggregation and try to hold there if you can. Otherwise, drift and run back. And then um, spinnerbaits, those those Phoenix spinnerbaits that I like work really well. Um, any, I, again, I'm going to go with the hard baits, even the bucktails. But I'm, on those, I'm using the three-quarter to one ounce, a little heavier than we do in the bay. We're usually using half. Wow. Hey, you know, Jim, I, I want to talk a little bit, too, about boat maintenance because I know you just posted uh, a problem that you had. Could you could you tell us a little bit about the uh, the issue that you had and, you know, how you prepare to, you know, face that issue, especially if you're on the water, and then how's the best way to remedy it and, and get that particular part repaired? Well, you know, <laughs> first thing, have vessel assist or some type of towing uh, insurance. It's it's crucial. I'm out there all the time. I got the radio on all the time. I'm listening to the channel, the VHF 16, and I hear folks all the time needing a tow. And those who don't have it, the quotes that I'm hearing that they're getting, uh, <laughs> it's just it's phenomenal. You know, <laughs> I I have a captain's uh, provision on mine it allows me to to jump on boats if something happens on that boat. They're covered because I'm covered. I have uh, trailer towing assistance, so if something happens going back and forth from ramp to home, I they will cover that as well. And so I pay a little bit more than the than the average uh, boater would. The average boater, you can get a package for under two hundred dollars. Oh yeah. And if you listen enough to hear the average quote for a tow, that's like getting three tows. Uh, or excuse me, you could get free memberships for the price of one tow. Let me put it that way. It's like $600. So it's crucial. So the first thing, I mean, one thing is to check, make sure everything's in order, make a good quality safety checklist. Things are still going to happen. What happened to us, we spun a prop hub. Uh, That that happens. You you won't see that. That's not something that, you know, I I could look and make sure that the plug is in. I can test the pumps and make sure the pumps work. But you really, you know, you can't spin that, that prop to make sure it works, just like testing a flashbulb for those of us old enough to remember. Once you once you mess it up to test it, it's done. So I'm not going to spin my prop to see if it's going to, <laughs> if I could wreck the hub to find out that I've wrecked the hub. So yesterday we wrecked the hub, which means that the motor would turn when it was in gear, but the prop wouldn't turn. It was just, you know, spinning our wheels, doing it. Uh, and uh, so that we needed a tow. Well, Fortunately, again, you know, prepared. I do have vessel assist service, and they came and got us. And we waited till the end of the day. We were actually uh, noticed noticed it a little bit going into the last spot, fished that last spot, and thought we could hobble our way back. We had thirty mile an hour winds yesterday, and I had a, a, a propeller that was barely allowing us to go five miles an hour. Well, going five miles an hour into thirty mile wind, you know, that's pushing you backwards a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so so thankfully uh vessel assist came and got us and we got home and everybody's safe and happy and had a good time and got a chance to tell more uh, bad jokes on the way in while we were being towed <laughs> but that's that's the main thing is just you know have that preparedness i mean i've got a motor that's barely barely used uh, the prop was a little bit older than the motor so you know anything could happen at any time i've had boats that are brand new that you know Something happens out there on the water. You never know what's going to happen. It would be a loose battery cable or something, a loose 
Uh, I had one brand new. This this no joke. I'm not going to mention the brand because it's not fair. But this was several years back when I was fishing tournaments, and somebody had connected the primer bulb backwards mm. for the fuel line. So it would it would run. It would get fuel, but it wouldn't get fuel all the time. And so it was really intermittent. Had a had a little issue while I was out on the water up up on the Detroit River, and I had to get towed back from uh, Lake St. Clair. Uh, again, had vessel assist at that time. It's I can't say it enough. I'm not you know they're not paying me to say this. I wish they would, but uh, it have a towing service of some sort before you go out on the water, especially the ocean. And you know we we've got to make mention that. Uh, the hub that is in your prop, it's kind of built to give way in the event you hit something or whatever it is with the blade of the prop that instead of uh, sitting there and buckling up your drive shaft or anything else like that, the crucible here is the that hub in your prop so that that'll give way and save your motor. But I think in your case, Jim, it's just, wasn't it more just the... Uh, uh, the time that you've spent on that prop, that probably you just wore the thing out? Oh, oh no, no doubt. Especially uh, those those hubs are made out of a, a rubber compression material that actually, as it turns, presses up against the inner wall of that propeller. And so, yeah, after time, especially being in salt water, even though I rinse it and all that, you know, after after a while, as much as many hours and as much time and years have been on that, they, they are going to wear out, and it did do its job. For all I know, we could have had uh, some type of buoy line rope or something on there at one point during the day that came off that we didn't notice. Uh, it could have been a big strand of kelp. It could have been uh, it could have been driftwood. Hey, yeah. hey, James, next time, you know, it's so hot outside. Next time, put your swim trucks on, carry an extra extra uh, hub and, or prop, and then go on down in there and change it yourself. <laughs> You know, I thought about that already. I know guys who could do that. Our buddy Dean Rojas has demonstrated yeah. several times he could do that. But I can't get that cotter pin out on dry land. It takes me 20 minutes to get oh. the cotter pin out. Not <laughs> only that, God forbid you drop one of those pieces that you don't have an extra part of, and boy, then you're really uh, Farkanugan for sure. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, Captain James. If uh, we want to view your schedule, uh, schedule a trip with you, find out when's the best available time, how's the best way to do it, sir? Well, you can reach me online at james at thefishicon.com's email or go to thefishicon.com. Or best bet, give me a call, 619-395-0799. All right, Captain James, we're going to be doing a live show for the 4th of July weekend. You going to get a chance to be with us? That would be awesome, John. Can't wait. All right, we look forward to hearing on how this next week's adventures go for you, Captain James. Thanks a lot for being with us tonight. You bet. Thank you, guys. Take care. Uh, all right. Hey, Wendy and I are going to take a break right now, but coming up at the 6 o'clock hour, the fishing weatherman himself, Chris Dunn, is going to be with us from Phoenix. So stay tuned. Still another great hour of Rod and Reel Radio to come. We'll be right back after these messages.
You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Hey, everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. And welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. John, are you there? Chris Dunn, are you there? Yes, I am, Wendy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? It's good to hear your voice again. Uh, been a while. I was just busy filling up my reels with some quality Iserline. Thank you very much. <laughs> Why, yeah. thank you, Chris. Yeah, they can't hear you me. Know, 
<laughs> I'm, you know, John, if you can hear us, we can hear you, um, and we're, we're talking now without you. If you could call back in, that would be great. Okay. So right now, um, if I'm not sure, Chris, if our audience can hear me, but I do want All to right, I went dead. Uh, oh, there you, you are, You can't John. hear me? Oh, here we are, guys. Sorry about that. For some reason, I was in the ether somewhere, and Chris, <laughs> man, I, I had a great, what a, what a great welcome I just gave you, and we missed it. Uh, can you hear us? Well, Chris can hear me. I guess he can't hear you, John. Okay. But um, if you if you could, you could give us our, give us your intro again of Chris, and and then uh, we can see how it goes. All right, let's do that. Hey, Wendy, I, what I was going to say, this has been a gentleman I've been looking forward to having on for, oh man, a, a, a few months now. I have followed his reports, especially. When I'm going and for any type of inshore or offshore fishing here in San Diego, I always find his reports to be right on, and it gives me the most up-to-date information I need about weather. And I have invited to come here. I have him come here on the show, and let's talk a little bit about what he does. I'd like to introduce our listening audience to the fishing weatherman himself, Chris Dunn. And Chris, if you can hear me, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Well, I guess Chris couldn't hear you. Um, Chris, I can hear John, and he just gave you a great introduction, and um, I guess I will be the middleman right now. So, Chris, welcome okay. to Rod and Real Radio. Right. Uh, thanks, Wendy. Uh, yeah, I am having a little problem uh, trying to, to hear John, but I'm sure it was a wonderful introduction. And you know, technology, we try to work with it, and we try to make it sound great on the radio, but sometimes it just doesn't work out as well as we would hope for it to work out. Uh, I know that John is interested in sport fishing history here in Southern California and uh, a little bit about my history. We're going to try to hook up something on the phone here in just a little bit. Uh, but my history started in 1981 as a kid on a half-day trip on the Queen of the Sea out of uh, Queensworth Sport Fishing in Long Beach. I caught my first barracuda and I was, as you say, hooked ever since then. Uh, and then I, I was fishing on the, the piers and Belmont Pier, Seal Beach Pier, Huntington Pier, uh, the, the old GW in the city of Seal Beach going out catching sand bass on the, the Huntington Flats. I did get a job as a half-day boat um, deckhand in 1984 on the boat that was originally the Red Rooster 2, but now is known as the Islander, but back then it was known as the Pescador. 1985 was the first year that the Spirit of Adventure ran long-range trips, and I was a deckhand on that boat for the inaugural year. Uh, Spirit of Adventure, by the way, was actually the second boat ever built by the Pool Boatyard, and it was built in 1976, right after the Royal Polaris. And it was basically, it was based on the design of the Royal Polaris, but just a scaled-down version. And then in 1986, I uh, worked the deck of the Red Rooster 3, uh, Lee Palm Sport Fisher, and also now, I guess you can call it uh, H&M Landing. I, I did work for the late, great Gary Lamont on the Fish and Fool, and then a couple more summers on the Spirit of Adventure up until 1990, and then that's when I began my career in broadcasting, radio and television, and then uh, getting into the whole fishing weatherman thing, trying to turn things back around and give back to all of the sport fishing community. And, you know, that's a great thing, and I just saw your last video, and, you know, it, it's great to see because, there is no one that understands. I mean, you're the only one out there that really understands South Coast fishing or fishing 
from San Diego and going, you know, long range fishing or, or just fishing locally and, and understanding the weather patterns and what we need to know before we go out there. You know, and part of the problem is that Southern California is geographically diverse and, and the coastal area is as well. So what's happening in San Clemente Island or down on the 60-mile bank, for example, it could be totally different than what's happening at Anacapa Island. And so it's, it's really difficult for me to give a general forecast for all areas where your results may vary from spot to spot to spot. So if you're on the inside fishing the the 150 spot for the yellowtail, a popular activity as of late, uh, (laughs) you you may have great weather, and then you venture to the backside of Catalina, and it's like, holy smokes, what did we just uh, get ourselves into? So on on top of the weekly reports that I give, I always try to urge people to check the weather, check the weather, check the weather before they hit the water. Right, you know, and that's really important, especially, you know, right now, you never know. I mean, you've got, you've got the, um, the weather coming in from Mexico with the hurricanes. It's hurricane season, and you never know what, you, what could come up, you know, and, and quickly. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of the hurricane season, we had an active one last year, and this one with our warm water, and as you know, tropical systems feed off of warm water, uh, I think we have the the makings for a similar setup again this year. So uh, folks heading down the line um, might have to keep that in mind and know that if you book a, a seven-day trip, it's not necessarily going to go to Alejo's Rocks or, <laughs> or Magdalena Bay or the Ridge or someplace like that. I was on a five-day last year that was in September, and we fished uh, between San Clemente Island and San the Cortez Clemente Bank Island. for five days. We had six- That's and seven-day right. trips out there as well just because the hurricanes down below blocked our path. So, you know, it does pose a problem, but safety first, safety first. I would always go for safety first rather than the chance to, to catch a big one. Right, and, you know, that happened to us too last year on the Independence on our sixth day. We ended up our first, you know, our first fishing day we were at um, Cedros, but we had the hurricane coming straight for us, and so we had to hightail it out of there, and we ended up over at Clemente also. But, but you know, the fishing was, was really good there. What do you think about this year as far as, you know, the longer trips, let's say the uh, five, six, seven, eight-day trips right now heading out, going going towards Mexico? Do you, th- do you think that the fishing, the boats are going to end up out there, or is the water going to be getting too warm come July, August, and, and people will be fishing out here again? You know, I think that's a possibility, and, and it really depends on how the storms develop and, and how many develop. Uh, we, Like I said, we could have the makings for another very active hurricane season. We've already had two, Andres and Blanca, um, at a very early start so far. And we'll just have to see what develops down there. But uh, another thing I wanted to mention regarding hurricanes, there seems to be a popular notion that if there's a, a hurricane or a tropical storm down below, oh, boy, here it comes. It's going to push all that warm water up here, and it's going to push all those tuna, and they're going to ride the wave right into our local waters. <laughs> now, that's not exactly accurate. Um, the storms form because of the warm water, and I think because uh, uh, there's warm water around, people might think that the storm is actually pushing the, the water our direction. We will get swells from those storms, but that's just a transfer of energy and not necessarily a transfer of the heat energy riding that uh, that current all the way up into Southern California. So uh, we do have a warm water year. We're continuing that warm water cycle, and I only think that uh, the current El Nino, which is now in progress, is going to to amplify that. Now, we can have El Nino and not have warm water in Southern California, 
and and vice versa. But we already have the warm water in place, and we now have El Nino in place, and I think that's only going to strengthen things. And I think uh, by first week of August, second week of August, uh, Wahoo may be showing up just like we had last year, which was uh, unbelievable last year. Well, and, and you know, there were already five or I think five OPA caught this year in Southern California, and it looks like we have John back with us. John, would yeah, you like go to ahead with your question, like would you please. <laughs> no, um, but uh, we were talking about um, the Wahoo um, should be coming down this way, but we have the OPA already, five of them that have been caught right off of Huntington Beach. So I would suspect, hopefully soon, you know, we'll, we'll, we should have the Wahoo here again this year. And can I ask who is caught Oahu here on the radio? Would that oh, be you, then, Andy? No, I caught an Opa. I, I'm, I I'm caught, sorry, I was <laughs> Opa. <yeah. laughs> yes, I caught an Opa, and uh, that was a that was great. But I really want to get my first Wahoo. I don't have a Wahoo yet. I've gaffed a Wahoo. I haven't caught a Wahoo though. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. I have a five day planned in the middle of August. Uh, on the American Angler, so maybe five day trip Wahoo. That's a possibility. Uh, oh hey, yeah. Chris, this, this is John, and, and again, welcome to the show. Sorry for just a little bit of a technical glitch, but uh, wanted to make sure we uh, got you on, and you're sounding great. You know, you were talking with Wendy about the uh, El Nino that we are expecting. Uh, is there any anticipation on? Uh, how how long it'll last? What kind of force it'll it'll have, and how long we will see it? And will it really affect a lot of the weather more here in Southern California as we get into uh, late autumn and early winter? Boy, I sure hope so. <laughs> we can <laughs> use some of that rain. Uh, and John, it's uh, great to be able to hear you now. Thank uh, you, sir. With respect to the El Nino, as I mentioned, we can have warm water and not El Nino and vice versa. Right now, we do have a full-fledged declared El Nino, which is really defined by what's happening in the Pacific along the equator. And that does have a a big impact on the the overall, the global weather pattern. Uh, It usually results in less activity for the Atlantic as far as hurricanes go, more for us in the eastern Pacific. And it Typically, more often than not, it's not always a guarantee, but more often than not, results in a, a much more active storm pattern for Southern and Central California. So, uh, you know, we've been through a, a couple of really lame winters so far, and, you know, we're due for, for a good one, and we also have El Nino working for us. So the odds are in our favor for a much more active stormy uh, late fall, winter to early spring. And that, that could do two things. One, it'll, it'll obviously bring us beneficial rainfall and snowfall for the mountains. With, with a lot of storms churning up the water, overturning things, that, that could help to cool off the water. And that's something we haven't really seen the last couple of winters. So we have the stayover of uh, the late yellowfin tuna and the bluefin tuna that were being caught in January and February. Um, and the yellowtail pretty much all through the winter. So that could help to cool off the waters and kind of reset the cycle, so to speak. And get us back on track and get, get us back into a, more of a normal cycle, which... Uh, could possibly bring, dare I say, albacore into our waters next year. Oh, man, that would be sweet. You know, yeah. you know, we refer to you as a fishing weatherman. You are also, though, a meteorologist. And could you tell us just a little bit, what does it take to uh, gain the title as a uh, meteorologist? 
Well, there are actually um, there's there are guidelines set forth by the American Meteorological Society, and you either have to have a degree in atmospheric sciences or the the upper level, the graduate coursework, to be able to support that. And I did that actually after the fact. I went to school and I graduated from Chico State with a degree in broadcasting. Um, I, I started my broadcast career, by the way, there in, in uh, Southern California in Fullerton, uh, driving out to Barstow every weekend to be on the radio. Uh, and then I, I took the classes after the fact, and I gained all of that credentials, uh, all of that uh, over the course of a couple of years and working in various markets of Chico, Fort Myers, Florida, Miami, Salt Lake City, Philadelphia, Denver, now here in Phoenix. Um, and I became the first or one of the one of the first 10 weathercasters in the country to gain the designation of certified broadcast meteorologist from the national or from the American Meteorological Society. And I also have the seal of approval from the National Weather Association. And I'm currently the chairman of the board that certifies weathercasters across the country. So we have to look at there. I, I have a group of 25 people. We look at weathercasters everywhere, and we deem them worthy if they pass the test. And if they pass our evaluation, then they get that seal of approval. Well, you know, Chris, it has almost seemed like magic over the course of the years from when we used to see weathermen using uh, uh, little cutout clouds going across a map of the United States or working behind a clear plexiglass uh, screen with a, a local map and writing backwards on it. Uh, uh, the technology of being able to forecast the weather has just really skyrocketed. And is this something that is going to be progressing more and more uh, uh, than what we see today? Because it, it's al- it almost seems like magic in compared to what we saw just 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's improved greatly as far as presenting the weather on television, but also we have seen those advances uh, move right into the palm of your hand. I mean, I mean, how many of the listeners out there have an app on your smartphone that has a weather forecast available? And not just a weather forecast, but a wind and wave forecast for, for offshore. Uh, those, by the way, are based on just a computer model run. It's a simulation of the atmosphere, and it takes in initial conditions, and it runs it out and to 24, 48, 72 hours or whatnot, and it tries to estimate what is going to happen with the atmosphere. So it's not an absolute, and it's not an exact, although those models are getting better and better and better every year. So I think with the advances of computing power and even advances in the models themselves, our forecast will be getting better. Now, having said that, we're always trying to second-guess Mother Nature, and it's, it's kind of like fishing. You know, uh, you give it your best guess and with the best knowledge available, but sometimes uh, the fish just don't cooperate, and sometimes hey. the atmosphere doesn't do what you expect it to do. Hey, Chris, uh, speaking of cooperating, we've got to take a commercial break right now. Can we ask you to stay over for another segment and, and uh, talk a little bit more to us about the weather and uh, how it affects fishing? Absolutely. All right. Hey, this is Hop Along on Rod and Reel Radio. Wendy Toshahara is with me tonight, and we have fishing weatherman Chris Dunn with us. We've got to take a commercial break right now, but we'll be back after these messages. 
Gabakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gabakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gabakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide yeah. gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gabakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gabakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity. We have twin six ton spray brine fish to keep your catch fresh and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one to view our schedule log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144 you can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovet reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. And Southern California, we want to welcome you back to our Rod and Real Radio. I am your host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and Wendy Toshahara is with me tonight as my co-host. Stan is on vacation, and we have a special guest on with us tonight. He is the fishing weatherman, meteorologist, Chris Dunn. Chris, again, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. All right. Thanks so much, John. You know, what What I want to uh, find out is uh, a fellow that uh, grew up here uh, in Southern California area, deckhanding on a lot of the boats, seemed like you were going in that direction, and then all of a sudden, you know, you go in a different direction, 
you become a meteorologist. Did you did you have a, a a fixation with the weather? Is it something you were always fascinated, or was there something else that came along in your life that uh, said, "Hey, I've I've got to make a change." Well, do you have uh, a half hour? <laughs> okay, well, it doesn't take that long. You're down long. to 13 um, minutes. <laughs> as as a, a kid growing up in Southern California, Long Beach is my hometown, uh, we don't get a whole lot of weather. Uh, and it was when I was 12 years old, I moved away to live with my dad in Shreveport, Louisiana, of all places. And I suddenly discovered that weather was exciting and wonderful, and I wanted to find out what was going to happen next. And then I wanted to be able to tell everyone what was going to come up next. And then I moved to Denver, Colorado, and I was in high school there, and I decided, well, we have a lot of active weather here, but my heart really is in Southern California, so I wanted to move back. So I did, and I finished up high school there. Um, Garden Grove, California, Pacifica High School Mariners. Yay! Woo! And And then, uh, you know, it, it kind of always stuck in the back of my head that I was interested in weather, but I had always loved fishing and always loved the ocean, and I kind of in a roundabout way, got involved in the movie business for a while and uh, was a stand-in as an extra, and I thought maybe I'd get involved in, in the movie business. And um, that turned into me taking radio and television classes and getting into radio and then transitioning to television when I was at Chico State in Northern California. And then it finally dawned on me, maybe I should combine the two together, broadcasting and meteorology, and, and go for it and study up and get all the certifications I can to make myself... Uh, marketable and as knowledgeable as I possibly can with uh, weather. And it really wasn't until I was, um, actually I was in Denver about seven years ago, and uh, I was in touch with some of my uh, my fishing buds out here, and, and they said, hey, there's this hurricane that's down off of Cabo. Is that going to move up, and is that going to affect my trip? And maybe you can give me a little forecast and use all those fancy computers and the graphics that you, you show and, and do a little webcast or something. And so I did a couple of those, and, and uh, um, they said, wow, that's great. You should do that on a regular basis. And so that started when I, after I moved here to Phoenix. I was a little bit closer, um, although I could be doing this from Japan or China or Dubai or wherever in the world. As long as you have the information available, uh, then, it, then it still applies. Well, you, uh, you have to kind of go out of your way because you are, you know, one of the top weathermen uh, for one of the top uh, – uh, stations there in the Phoenix area, and obviously, you know, that's where you give a lot of your emphasis, and boy, when it comes to dynamic weather, I mean, where more dynamic weather do you have in the the Arizona and New Mexico and Colorado area and, and Utah, and, you know, especially during these monsoon seasons, but you also lend your expertise to us guys that are here on the West Coast where our weather isn't necessarily as dynamic, but it really... Uh, you know, little changes in the weather, fish, uh, you know, uh, affects our fishing. How did you get involved with giving uh, West Coast reports the way you do? Because they're, they're great. You know, it, it, it kind of evolved from that, uh, that first hurricane that was affecting the coast of Baja, California. And then guys said, well, you know, our weather really doesn't change a whole lot. It's not that dynamic. So the TV stations here, when they give the weather forecast and it's mainly geared towards people on land, not on the water, Uh, they're not talking about the little nuances uh, and the the things that we care about, the the Catalina Eddy circulation and how that affects the marine layer depth and how long the marine layer is going to hang in there, and the the fact that San Nicolas Island might be a whole lot uh, 
blown, more blown out than Catalina or Santa Barbara Island. San Nicolas Island, by the way, right now, I just checked the wind. West at 32, gusting to 38. So it's not probably a place I want to be right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty ugly. But they have some big lingcod there. Oh, big, <laughs> big lingcod, uh, white sea bass, and the way this yellowtail are going, they've got pretty good yellowtail fishing probably up in that area too. Yes, um, I know the uh, the El Dorado has been kind of making that run out to San Nick, and they have had some live squid, and they have had some uh, some snaps on the yellowtail at San Nick. But you know, really, the the better bite has been, uh, as Phil Friedman indicated a little bit earlier in the show, uh, at the islands and especially down to the Coronados. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm always marveling with the detail of your report because of the fact that a lot of times we uh, uh, go out on smaller boats. It isn't always the uh, the 60, 70, 80 foot class boats. We're going out. We're going out on uh, you know 20, 21, 22 foot uh, uh, private boats, and in those uh, circumstances, the swell that might be coming up from the south or might be coming in from the west, especially if we're planning to go out to places like uh, San Clemente Island, where if you get a westerly swell uh, hitting you, man, it is an uncomfortable trip and maybe something you might want to think about going to do something else. Right, and and uh, depending on the equipment you're using, it can make a whole lot of difference. Uh, I think there was, I can't remember the name of the storm because there were so many last year, but there was a, a big hurricane that generated a huge swell last year. And there were these mountains of water that spaced very far apart, 20-second intervals or so. But, you know, we're talking about 10, 12-foot swells. So if you're on a big boat, it's it's kind of a nice, long, loping ride. But if you're in a little boat, that <laughs> it can be pretty daunting. So, you know, I try to take some of that into consideration. But a lot of it is geared towards, uh, towards the sport boat crowd uh, as well as the private boaters. And... You know, doing it on a Wednesday night like I do, um, it's difficult to pinpoint, like, okay, I want to hit the launch ramp at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning, and I'm going to go out to the Horseshoe Kelp for three hours. What's the weather going to be like? Well, that's why I caution everybody to always check the weather, check the weather, check the weather. It's something that should be right in line with putting fresh top shots on your reel and, and making sure you have uh, proper knots tied and you get fresh bait and you have a fresh weather check before you hit the water before you go out every time. You know, uh, Chris, you, made a, you made a really interesting uh, comment, too, because I've been guilty uh, of saying this, that with the storms that are generated in the uh, eastern Pacific, that uh, they are pushing the pelagics up our way because, you know, seem to indicate that these storms are actually pushing water or affecting currents or whatever it is. And, you know, what you were saying is that the swells and everything that we're seeing are actually pulses of energy that are being transmitted through the water, and that's creating the swells. And that it's it's not these these storms do, are not necessarily moving vast amounts of water from north to uh, south to north or in any particular direction. Right, exactly. And you know, have you ever seen those uh, perpetual motion machines or those those uh, those pendulum machines where where it swings back and forth, and there are all the uh, those metal balls in the middle, yeah. and only the ones on the outside are clicking, clacking back and forth. It's just transferring that energy from from one molecule to another, from one part of the ocean to another, and not necessarily 
carrying that through. In fact, I wrote an article about this on my website, thefishingweatherman.com, and I I, uh, included some comments from uh, Max Mayfield, the former uh, director at the National Hurricane Center. And uh, I've dealt with him in the past, uh, especially during my time in Miami. And he said, you know, the, really the only big impact on pushing water around is with storm surge. And that usually happens, say, within 50 miles or so of the actual storm itself. So if we're sitting here seven or 800 miles away from a hurricane that is generating large swells, it's not necessarily pushing that water up our direction. It's just transferring that energy from the, the wind to the waves, and that eventually makes its way up to us. So uh, is it safe to assume that the reason why our water is warming up is because we are getting a lot of heating at the equator for reasons that maybe uh, we don't really know, but it is happening, and that the, the, the normal currents that we have that are traveling uh, uh, up the coast they are taking this warm water and they're gradually bringing it to us. And as that happens, we're finding the pelagics and these other exotics traveling along with it. Well, I, th- I think it's a, actually a, a pretty complex setup why it's been so warm here. Uh, last year, well, even going back to the start of last summer, we never really had any big storms, and there wasn't a disruption in, in the, the warm cycle. So we held on to that warm water for a long time, uh, all through the wintertime. The same thing happened again this winter. We really didn't have any big storms or a prolonged storm event that would really churn up the water and, and get things back on track. I think at the same time, we have had a little bit of a disruption for whatever reason in the normal currents that would bring the colder water down from the north. And and at the same time, we also have this developing El Nino at the equator. It's not really well understood how there is a connection between Southern California and El Nino at the equator. But there is a positive correlation between the warming of, of waters along the equator off the coast of Peru, for example, and in Southern California and off of Baja, California. So I, I think it's a pretty complex thing, and it's and it's kind of hard to pin down on, on one one thing, but... When it all comes together like it like it did last year and like it is this year, we have some very unusual occurrences, like the uh, the massive beaching of red crabs, uh, uh, Newport and, and Mission Bay, uh, and also last last year. I mean, how many how many wahoo were caught on the sport boats out of San Diego? Probably ten or a dozen, something like oh, that. There were a number, and and not only that, the private boats, but we were talking about wahoo on three quarter day boats. And that's that's really kind of amazing to catch wahoo on a on a three quarter day, along with all the yellowtail and the yellowfin that they were catching at that time. We haven't seen a big influx of yellowfin yet. The bluefin are out there, and 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 everyone's emphasizing that. But it just seems like a matter of time before we will see that migration of uh, uh, yellowfin also. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time, just like last year. I I can't remember exactly when we get into the bigger numbers of yellowfin. I think it was probably in July of last year. Uh, but even I was around in the uh, the El Nino of 82, 83, and we had a lot of the red crabs in the water then. Uh, we also had some uh, very warm water. A lot of the, uh, the skipjack, yellowfin, dorado came up to play. Uh, short-bill spearfish as well, something we really didn't see last year. Right. Uh, and then I think there was a Wahoo caught maybe 20 miles south of the Coronados. One, that was the only one, to my recollection, uh, during that event. And that was seen as just an amazing thing. And, and last year, 
you know, the, the Wahoo caught off of Newport Beach and Orange County and, and, uh, you know, the Prowler had one, uh, Tribute had a couple, uh, Condor, I think had a couple, uh, and Bruce Smith on the Fortune had a Wahoo on his boat too. So, uh, it was a pretty, pretty amazing thing to see. You know, the, uh, I think one of the amazing things about the run that we're having a Bluefin this year is not only the fact that they are so, so plentiful, and we can get into a, a debate about why that is, but how close they are actually coming inshore like we've not seen before or if we've not seen in, in recent memory. You know, we're always saying, well, the Navy is uh, is doing this or that, and it's, uh, uh, you know, whatever the Navy's doing is keeping the fish from coming in close, and the waters are not as, pol- are as are polluted, and, you know, they don't come in after that, but... It just seems that, you know, it's such a cycle that right now we are seeing, you know, bluefin within two and three miles of Point Loma. Yeah, um, I have a video, a little piece of video that I included on my weekly coastal weather video update this week that has just a, a foamer of bluefin on a meatball about three and a half miles away from Point Loma. And they, they pulled up on it, casting jigs on it, and, and they hooked up right away. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fish are going to follow where it's comfortable for them. The, the water conditions have to be right. The temperature has to be right. And there has to be a supply of food. And I think uh, right now we have that magical combination of all them coming together. Uh, and But unfortunately, the bluefin have been doing kind of their typical bluefin thing, uh, looking at us and, and showing themselves <laughs> but not wanting to bite anything with a hook in it. Uh, I've, I've, I've gone down to the shelter on the launch ramp and talked to fishermen that have been out there among them and say they can have bluefin actually knocking the bottom of their boat and they can't catch one. So it's, uh, it is indeed an incredible bite. Well, Chris, there are people that are listening to us to saying, who is this guy and how do I get a hold of this information that he has? So I'm going to ask you, we know who you are now, but if we want to find out some of the reports you make, how's the best way to get your reports and and find out what's happening off of our Southern California coastline here. Well, you can always join the the rest of the crowd, all the followers. Uh, don't be a follower, but uh, <laughs> join me on Facebook. SD Weather is the Facebook page, or my website is thefishingweatherman.com. I have lots of links on there. I, I do the weekly update, the video update, but I also have links to some of the, the computer model forecast, uh, sea surface temperatures, uh, and uh, other reports and some boats. And, and during the week, I try to also update the Facebook page with what's going on out there. Uh, if there's a fabulous piece of video or a, a great report, um, you know, uh, updating what's going on in the Coronado Islands, uh, the Channel Islands, and everything in between. That's kind of the focus from, say, Point Conception south to Baja, California. So kind of right in your wheelhouse, so to speak. What you we're better all believe it. In. Hey, Chris Dunn, weatherman, meteorologist, you know, thanks for your great reports. I always look forward to seeing them. But more importantly, I want to thank you for giving up some of your Sunday night to be with us and clue us in on what you're doing. And we wish you the best of luck. And when you are here in San Diego, get a hold of us and let's get a line wet. All right. Sounds great, John. And, uh, Wendy, I hope it's not too long before I see you again, too. I will be using that Iser line, that quality Iser line, on all of my upcoming trips. Great, thank you. Let me know if you need me more, and uh, I'll email you. I have a, I have an avocado question. All right, that sounds great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Chris Dunn, weatherman, fisherman. Chris, thanks a lot for being with us. Hey, 
Wendy and I have gone a little bit over. We've got to take a break right now. You're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM540 or com. Coming up next, Catherine Miller is going to be on with us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler H2 Earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day. Aye! I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet. The 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 is the open party boat at H&M Landing in San Diego and has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs, soda fountain, ice maker, and satellite foam. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh of the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure 2 online at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. Hey, Southern California, welcome back to Rod Reel Radio. I'm Hopalong John. Wendy Toshahara is with us tonight. We want to thank Chris Dunn calling us from Phoenix, Arizona to give us that information on how the weather conditions are affecting our fishing here in the Southern California area. Hey, well, we've got another great event coming on up, and what better person to bring on? But the person that's hosting the event, you know, day at the docks means that springtime's coming. Same with Gator by the Bay. This next event that's coming up means that we're into summer, so let's bring her on and tell us exactly what's happening she is the head of the San Diego Sports Fishing Council and president of Catherine Miller and Associates. Ms. Catherine Miller. Catherine, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, John. Hi, Wendy. Both, both of you. Thanks to be on. Hi, Catherine. It hey is, there. It's great having you on, Catherine. And 
man, I, I don't know. What are you thinking? You know, you have day at the docks, and then you let a couple of three weeks go by, and you got gator by the bay. We've got a tremendous fishing season going on. And now you're looking at the 13th, a 13th year this event has been going on, and you and Vic Gamboa are taking it by the horns and and making it a success. You want to tell us what, what's coming up here? Well, it's our, it's our Young Anglers Tournament that happens each summer uh, in August, actually. It's August 8th. Um, it's a free event open to kids from 6 to 15 years old. Um, it's held at the Shelter Island Pier, um, and it's absolutely free to to participate. We provide everything, the fishing tackle, bait, and, and lunch, actually. So, you know, in line with our intent to get more kids exposed to fishing and out, give them opportunities to fish. And so it's, we've been doing this now with, with the help of a lot of people in town. You know, the fishing clubs come out and assist us. Uh, I love there's an International Game Fish Association as well. And um, it's just been a, a collaborative effort, and it's, it's a lot of fun. But um, we should encourage your listeners to bring the kids down. Well, you know, and this has been an annual event that's been going on for a long while, and and here's the great thing. There's no really way you can pre-sign up for it or anything else like that. How do people actually sign up for this event, Catherine? They sign up on the on the spot um, that morning of. It's August 8th. Registration starts at 7 o'clock in the morning on the pier. We'll be there with you know lots of volunteers to get people signed in. We need a parent to sign uh, for kids coming in. And um, it's, it's easy. It's uh, sign in. We'll get your fishing on, you know, out there about 8 o'clock in the morning. So you fish from 8 until about 12 o'clock, and then we have a tally up the points and award uh, winners in each of those 10 age categories from 6 to 15 years old. You know, Catherine, we have, I have so many people come here in the shop, adults, that they almost are feeling guilty. They love to take the kids out fishing. They don't have a lot of experience themselves. They want to know the why, the how. How to go about doing it when they come and fish this particular event? Do they need a lot of knowledge and 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 teaching the kids how to do it, or is there a lot going to be a lot of people there to help them out? We've got volunteers on the pier on site to help everybody out. We've got people coming down from the United Pier and Shore Anglers of California. They've been involved now for several years. And then we've got the San Diego Rod and Reel Club and San Diego Anglers both send representatives down. So we've got lots of hands, you know, lots of available help, um, both in terms of advice advice and, you know, hands-on assistance. So that's uh, pretty well taken care of. And again, all bait things here. We've got rental tackle. But we've got sort of that free tackle to use that's been provided to us by Okuma. And um, so it's everything, everything you possibly need is already set up for you. So whether you've been fishing or not, you've got kids that would like to get a little exposure to the sport, this is a great opportunity to do that. It does sound John, like I was able. John, yes. I was able to help out last year. I won't be able to help out this year because I have a, uh, my godparents' celebration of life, but um, it's a great event. Um, the kids come out, and it's, it's great to see. I mean, there are so many volunteers that come out to help these kids, and the smiles on their faces when they catch their, their fish, it, it's just, it's very rewarding. Well, it, yep. it's it seems to be a really good deal because the the uh, the participants can bring their own fishing tackle, the rods and reels, and you'll have experts there to show them how to rig it up, how to fix it up. Uh, if there's something wrong, they can sort of like uh, 
work it over to get that stuff working so that they can work with their own gear. But if they don't have any gear, and maybe they're looking out and going to buy some later on or whatever it is, there's fishing tackle that will be available, made available by Akuma. And, again, people there show them how to use it, and they'll be able to fish one way or the other. It, it's a win-win situation, Catherine. Yeah, it is. And, and, and the pier is a great resource for, for us all year long. I mean, they're, they're free to fish from. Adults can fish from the piers without a fishing license, which is marvelous. So I think it's a, you know, it's a, this event provides people an opportunity to see what's going on. But it's really encouraging to go out and go back to the piers themselves, you know, another, throughout the course of the year. Um, and, you know, our, our intention is to get kids exposed to all sorts of different fishing. And, and from the Sport Fishing Council's perspective, we'd like to get those kids ultimately out on the sport fishing boats, get them offshore, get them you know, exposed to, to new and different things. So um, with that in mind, we, we do day at the docks in the spring. We've, we've got a kids program with city schools all through the year. And this is just one more piece of, piece of our program. Well, it sounds like it's a good way for it to work in because I know one of your uh, sponsors is the Friends of Rolla. And the Friends of Walla have been helping get kids together with, with the sports fishing boats to take them out fishing. So this is sort of like the first step in the chain. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and, and there, there are five piers in San Diego Bay. And Shelter Island is certainly one of them. Uh, there's one in Barcadero. There's one down in uh, National City. There's one in Chula Vista. And then there's Imperial Beach and Ocean Beach piers, uh, which actually is on the ocean side. But there's lots of opportunities. And, again, you know, you adults do not need a license to fish those piers. And um, so it's a good, inexpensive outing and a lot of fun. You know, Catherine, I don't think I asked you this question, or maybe you said it and I missed it. The age range of, of, of uh, young adults that you're going to be working with here uh, uh, to fish this event? It's ages 6 through 15. And they will, and anglers will compete within their own age category. And it, the, the tournament's rated on points. Um, and the, the fish, the points that a lot of each kind of fish will be determined in the morning of the tournament. You know, Catherine, I've always found when I'm fishing, for some reason, I get terribly thirsty and I get terribly hungry. And I don't think I've known a young kid that doesn't want something to eat while he's fishing, too, to keep that strength up to catch those big bruisers that you get from the, the pier there. Uh, what are you going to do to accommodate that need? Well, I've got to tell you, we've got some great sponsors. A Stubbs Family Market has been assisting, assisting us every year now for helping us provide lunch for the kids. And, of course, uh, Tommy Gomes with Catalina Officer Products comes in. He's just marvelous, as he's done now every year for the least the last seven or eight brings in his team of people and makes fish tacos for everyone. So it's, it's really been fabulous, and we, we expect him to be down there again uh, this year. We're, great, we're very grateful for him, for his support. Now, you know, fishing from the pier into San Diego Bay, in, in the past, what are some of the, uh, the fish that uh, these participants have, have caught in past seasons? So bass is not normally high among the catch. Uh, we've caught halibut off the pier. We've caught mackerel off the pier, whitefish. Um, every, every now and then they'll hook a, a bat ray. So wide variety of fish. And, it, you know, every year is a little bit different. Wow, that's great. So, again, uh, when this event, when is this event coming off? And is there a, uh, a website or somewhere where people can go to remind themselves of just when this is happening? Sure. The, the date is Saturday, August 8th. Um, it's at the Shelter Island Pier in Point Loma, um, and there's plenty of free parking there on Shelter Island. 
Um, more information is available on our website at sportfishing.org. That's S-P-O-R-T-F-I-S-H-I-N-G dot O-R-G, sportfishing.org. And, and, Catherine, just in the couple of minutes that we have, we know you head up also the San Diego Sports Fishing Council. Is this not absolutely the best time to be involved with sports fishing here in San Diego? Oh, my goodness. We're just, you know, so far the, so far the season has been pretty great, but we're looking forward to the seedings break open here again, as they did last year. Um, yellowtail and yellowfin yellow tuna right now being caught offshore. And there's, as Chris Dunn, when you were talking about earlier, they're seeing a lot of bluefin out there, but they're, they're teasing us more than they're jumping on the boat. So um, it's, it's, it looks like a fantastic season is, is really coming about. Yeah, it looks like they have, but they are beginning to bite better and better as we get uh, further into the summer. And, and right now I think if people go out during the week, they can uh, probably call up the day before and get a space on some of the boats. But, boy, that isn't going to be happening very long. It's you got to book now. Make sure you know when your vacation, your off time's coming. And don't wait for the, the reports to, to come in that the, you know, the fishing is wide open. Book yourself on a trip and be there when the fishing right, breaks right. to be wide open. Right. Maybe too late once the fishing breaks wide open. All right. So, Catherine, the, uh, the uh, uh, Sports Fishing Council, you've got your own website. We want to find out some of the activities that are happening with you and reports. How's the best way to get a hold of that information? It's sportsfishing.org. So over on the, on the net. We also have a Facebook page. Um, look us up uh, on San Diego Sport Fishing Council, and you'll keep on top of uh, what we're doing. All right. Catherine, thanks a lot for giving up some of your Sunday night with us. And I know we'll be talking to you during the week. And, you know, encourage those boats to go out there and get them because, boy, this is going to be a great season. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for being with us. Catherine Miller, president of Catherine Miller and Associates and head of the San Diego Sports Fishing Council. Hey, Wendy, it looks like uh, we've put in another uh, show into the can. Thanks a lot for your contribution tonight. Thank you, John, and I will miss next week, but I will be back with a report after my trip. Yeah, is that a five-dayer that you're going on? Yes. Wow. Boy, anything goes, and uh, uh, I'm going to have to get a hold of you because of the fact that I've got to get an order for Iser line in here in the shop because uh, they're just blowing us out, and uh, I'll be sure to do that before you take off, and we want to wish you uh, a great trip and look forward to a great report when you get back. Oh, I thank you, and everyone have a happy 4th of July. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. We want to thank you for taking some of your Sunday night to listen to us, try to put on a great show, a little diverse, and give you the best information there is in fishing here in Southern California. I want to thank JR, our engineer at the AM 540 Studios, Ben Harvey that puts all the information together that we have here locally in San Diego. And always, in memory, a big tuna bill. Thanks for leaving us this great heritage bill. So on behalf of Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara, and myself, Hopalong John Cassidy, stay safe. We're going to be on live next weekend for the 4th of July weekend. We'll see you out in the water. We're out for now. <laughs>